0: All opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals and not of the organisation supporting this episode. Hello and welcome to the podcast We Transform Lives. This podcast delves into the extraordinary impact of social entrepreneurship and the business innovations driving change. The series is brought to you by Transform, a unique accelerator programme led by Unilever, the UK's Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office and EY, which unites corporates, donors, investors and academics to support visionary impact enterprises. We tell the story of six entrepreneurs and their innovative business solutions driving social and environmental change in communities across Africa, South Asia, and beyond. This podcast showcases how powerful solutions being created in communities for communities by social entrepreneurs have the power to change the world, if they're scaled and supported in the right way. I'm your host, Ruthie Shah, and in this episode, we're heading to Sub-Saharan Africa. Did you know there are over 100 million informal small businesses in Africa that contribute to 70% of the continent's employment? Well, working to support these people and connect them to the global economy is Boost Technology, an incredible B2B commerce platform powering growth for Africa's convenience economy by providing radically easy technology for suppliers to better serve retailers. Joining me to tell us all about this are co-founders, CEO Mike Quinn and COO Mary Roach. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having us Trudy.
0: now it would be wonderful to start off and get to know you a little bit better so before we delve into boost can we find out a little bit more about your early lives and how you got to this point
1: both mary and i are, are originally canadian we've known each other for a long time and, and my background had nothing to do with africa or social entrepreneurship it was studying engineering in the west coast of canada and in 2003 i graduated and got a, a volunteer placement in ghana that dramatically changed my life so i ended up spending a year working in Ghana in rural agriculture and then about another year and a half working in Zambia um, and decided at that point that I wanted to make a lifelong commitment to the continent and that I would also need to uh, really hone my skills and I was you know starting to learn about myself that I I really was a natural entrepreneur and and kind of interested in starting a business. I ended up doing two years of of higher education in international development and, and got an MBA And from 2009 to 19, I moved back to Africa and co-founded and became CEO of one of the very early FinTechs on the continent. I learned a lot during that experience. And when I left in 2019, I I stepped back and and really reflected deeply on on the next company I wanted to start uh, and got the idea for Boost. And Mary was one of the first people I called um, having known her for about twenty years, and knew she was a great uh, fit and complement to to my skills and experiences.
2: As Mike has mentioned, I'm also a failed engineer. So Mike and I met uh, about twenty years ago with a shared kind of interest in international development. While Mike was out in Ghana, I actually went and worked in Cameroon uh, for six months, and then I basically returned to Canada and particularly to Montreal, where I'm from, to work in the corporate sector. And I would basically, you know, from that point, describe my career as two different themes. So the first is working in large-scale energy and really looking at like what has energy done to society, particularly uh, all the advancements that happened in the 20th century. And then the last 10 years has been really looking at what mobile technology uh, can provide in terms of advancing society. So specifically within that, I have worked both in startups, worked as a funder, worked as a, a debt investor. And then more recently, before joining Boost, I was working in operations and leading operations for a hardware company, uh, which was basically trying to uh, revolutionize um, you know, how we think about sanitation. I been there for three years when uh, Mike came calling and I was very excited about the opportunity to work with Mike. I've always known him to be very optimistic, you know, very good at getting good things done. But at the same time, I was also excited about the opportunity about working with an entrepreneur that also had gone through both the ups and downs of business and
0: using that experience basically to, to take things forward. That's incredible. Such a wealth of experience. And so for the audience to hear from both of you, is it possible for you to walk me through, what Boost actually does, and what it brings to the community. So as you
1: mentioned in your introduction, Druti, in Africa, there is over 100 million formal retail businesses uh, that we call convenience retailers that provide essential goods, food provisions to the mass market of of 1.3 billion people. These businesses are largely manual. They, They trade in cash. They Um, They buy from their suppliers in cash, but increasingly they're getting smartphones in their pockets now, but uh, still run their businesses largely offline. And the distribution businesses that supply them, that move product between larger manufacturers and these informal retailers, are also family you know, family owned businesses, small and medium enterprises that tend to have logistic assets like vans, motorbikes, tricycles, warehouses, but don't have very good technology. And that that whole bottom of the supply chain is very non-transparent. And so Boost exists to provide technology to digitize um, ordering, uh, customer management, payment collection, inventory management across all different like channels and territories for distributors. And ultimately to provide data to manufacturers so that they can grow their businesses and access to uh, funding for retailers so that they can grow their businesses as well. So we're we're trying to really take the bottom of these like very large but informal supply chains and digitize and grow them.
0: What inspired you to actually see the need to meet people and technology? Was there a particular moment, a particular person that made you think, wow, there's a gap here and we're going to use Boost? I would say that there's probably not
2: one pivotal moment, but I do think that it was kind of both identifying a great opportunity at a great time for us. So from you know the, the general kind of market trends perspective, I think these are all things that you've heard before and Mike also mentioned, but one obviously kind of growing smartphone penetration has definitely helped. I think from a software perspective, the growth of cloud-based software solutions and the ability to deploy software anywhere was also greatly, you know, we saw that as a great opportunity. Third, for the last decade, there's been um, amazing uh, innovations in regards to the retail sector using technology, I would say. And then we were launching during COVID which as we know has helped to kind of accelerate tech adoption everywhere so that's i would say from a market perspective so you know beyond mike and will who's our tech cto as well as our founding partners in ghana all of us have had around you know 10 years of experience trying to use technology to solve issues that are plaguing small businesses using all the experience and all the insights we've had uh, from the past it just it just felt like it was the right time for us
0: in order to understand and appreciate what you've achieved, it's really important to consider the wider issues happening across the continent of Africa. So are you able to delve a bit further into that? We see technology both as an opportunity and as a threat potential to
2: retail. And we've seen that obviously where we currently live, which is the UK for both Mike and I. For us, we really want to be on the right side of history for that. So basically, how can we actually use technology to help small business both thrive and grow in the digital economy versus, you know, actually like start to degrade and have their markets uh, taken away from them. So from our perspective, I would say we're still very much in the early innings of of where we are um, in terms of our our business trajectory. Our first aim really is around kind of digitizing and working with distributors to actually support the retailers that they're already serving. But our long term ambition is really around um, how do we support both the distributors and the retailers specifically to kind of grow
1: their business
0: talking of growth, as Boost has evolved and grown, what are the milestones and poignant moments where you've seen success?
1: The the main hypothesis for starting Boost, you know, what if we could design a platform and a model um, and a team that could could work everywhere by design? And so we were thinking about this before COVID started, but then when COVID hit, we were in lockdown and we couldn't even travel to any of the markets we we meant to launch in, which posed like almost an extreme challenge to test this hypothesis in and the the first place we got going like our our first transactions happened in ghana um we had some uh two existing partners that were, were co-founders of of our, our boost ghana business that i had known before and i had worked with before so there was that personal connection and and we tested a route to market digitizing like informal supermarkets in the capital city of accra Without being able to, without managing the delivery ourselves, so the supermarkets were using the WhatsApp uh, product we built for them, browsing a catalog, ordering their stock, and then we had independent delivery agents moving the stock between our small office at the time and these retailers, but we, we still had to kind of manage this product catalog, but it got us going. And then as we started this, we we started ramping up, or preparing to launch in South Africa and Nigeria, which which kind of rolled out in the the two quarters after that. In South Africa, we hit a major milestone by figuring out how to not touch stock at all, because we wanted to be a peer enabler. And in this case, we had retailers um, ordering on our platform, like small restaurants, and we had one national supplier and independent delivery agents that could go to that supplier, pick up the stock and then drop it off at the retailer. So so boost was completely out of the distribution chain. And then the really big milestone happened in our, our third market in Nigeria, um, where we, we actually started working with a, a Unilever partner that had a network of 5,000 women retailers across the country um, that were supplying uh, Unilever products to like 400,000 households. And this entire uh, distribution chain for, for this one partner of Unilever was completely manual. So it was cash payments, offline distribution. And we had enough of a platform built at the time that we, um, instead of going to the retailer first, we started with with this Unilever partner, they're called the Growing Businesses Foundation, to provide this platform as a service to register all the retailers are supplying, digitize all the orders, digitize all the payments, and then um, give them really the power and the control over the business and the visibility that they could start growing and expanding. And after a six month pilot, we were able to, you know digitize their existing um, retail base, and then very quickly after that they doubled it. So they went from five thousand shops that they were supplying to ten thousand. And just to put that in context, they had like several years before that that they weren't able to expand because they they had reached the limits of of what they could do manually without any technology. And so we we were able to kind of take all of these different, pilots in these different markets and, and build like a very flexible uh, technology platform that could be adapted to different use cases and then put together like a, a coherent strategy that has subsequently allowed us to launch into Senegal, Kenya, and um, uh, most recently Egypt. And we, we've done this remotely on a headcount of of less than 30 people without actually increasing our costs by much at all. Um so with a with a very capital efficient model that is now like truly Pan African at, at a very early stage of our business. And and I think that's that's what we're most proud of um of having accomplished so far.
0: You sort of touched upon business challenges that you've had to face and as learnings for other entrepreneurs who are listening to this, are there any other obstacles that you really had to push through and what did you do?
1: I think most entrepreneurs will will tell you that they want to spend their time on the business, but probably spend a disproportionate amount of time fundraising. It's always the challenge to kind of get a business off the ground and and find investors who will will provide that initial like seed capital to get it going. And and to try to do this like remotely during COVID, we we had a hard story, like even though we had a track record and experience uh, to say, we are, are launching in multiple markets um, that are very diverse remotely, not being able to visit them and to find investors who wanted to kind of buy into that. And we, we've had a lot of success, but it's come with uh, a lot of like uh, rejections. And, and with, with fundraising, it's a lot of attrition, right? So you, you pitch to 10 investors to get one to, uh, to invest, and then that one investor will connect you to four others. Um, three will say no, one might say yes. The biggest advice I would give to other, other founders in this space is what's like a big change that's happened um, since COVID is like there's been a huge growth in like angel and early stage investors that are prepared to do remote due diligence and just to, um, you know, invest on virtual relationships. That didn't used to be the case, especially in Africa, like where you could, you would have to go to more institutional funds, they would have to send people to go visit you, and there was like a big early stage uh, gap. So we've been able to get investors from every continent, except for like Antarctica, like literally um, into our cap table, raise a significant amount of money over the last three years now since we started doing this. Um, but we've done it in tranches as well. So we, we haven't like we didn't go out to raise like a big round and try to overcapitalize. Uh, we raised a little bit of money. We, we got going, hit, hit a milestone, went back, raised a little bit more, allowed us to build out this uh, this great business platform, improve a lot of our business model. So now we're becoming more attractive to investors, but it's also allowed us to build a community of investors who are now doing business development for us. They're connecting us to, to partners, to new investors, helping us recruit talent and, and you know leadership in other markets and really becoming a huge asset of the company. So we, we've turned that like big challenge and constraint into um, an asset that is something we're quite excited about.
0: So let me just pick up on that in terms of that impact in the community. There must be some amazing stories to share. Yeah, there's tons of
2: amazing stories. And I think one of the great things about working across multiple countries is that there's such a variety of people that we serve and the impact that we see. So the first is in based in South Africa. It is a company called Masia Distributors, and it is a family-owned couple-run distributor that literally sells three products. And they sell these three products reaching around a dozen sub-distributors are in mostly peri-urban and rural areas. And they came to us basically facing a lot of growth already in their business, but struggling with a few things, particularly like how to reconcile payments to say which customers had actually paid them and which hadn't. Over a few months um, after getting access to our technology, what we saw is really kind of them grow confidence in regards to their business. And that business has been growing month on month um, significantly. So that was great to see how just two people could really benefit from such a system. Mike's already mentioned the, the Shakti network uh, in Nigeria. So this is on a completely different scale, but basically how we enabled a network and a group of partners to go from 5,000 retailers to 10,000 retailers in less than six months. And all of that was really in regards to kind of growing their confidence around what the business was currently doing and then also how much it could grow. And we do expect kind of further growth and evolution of that network over the next few years. And then the third example, I would say, is more on the retailer side. So um, in Ghana, one of our partners has been basically piloting access to credit through a stock advance. So this is where instead of actually providing money to a retailer, you basically just um, advance them additional stock uh, to see if they could sell it. And you then kind of recoup um, the payments after you know a certain number of days. And by digitizing the business, by actually uh, getting access to the order flows and the payment flows, our partner was basically able to then decide you know which retailers were credit worthy, how much we thought they could absorb in terms of um, additional stock, and then test that out. And we've seen growth in terms of order values uh, you know by like two and a half times. So really kind of helping the small retailer grow their business. You also gain confidence in the size of the business that they can actually
0: achieve and also grow their confidence in their ability to actually manage credit. So in terms of the reception that's happened, you've clearly been involved in significant culture shifts. How has the community reacted to you?
1: Yeah, great question. One of our founding principles as a business was to enable entrepreneurs, meaning that we wanted um, each of our markets to be run by local founders who are people who are experienced, have networks in their communities, and who can work together like across all of our countries to accelerate one another and then really adapt boost model um, to their local markets to add value and, and provide like these growth services and support to their customers and to our customers. So our, our role, Mary and my role, has been a lot around recruiting the right uh, people and like the right co-founders in, in each of these markets. And then onboarding them into one boost culture. And so with, with our ways of working, with our vision, with our values, and then bringing them together to share their experiences, their challenges, and trying to encourage them to accelerate one another. Um, and what that's ended up uh, creating is now we have a group of like outstanding boost co-founders on the ground in these different markets, different, like very different cultures, different languages, working in, in Arabic, in Egypt, in South Africa with the, the diversity of languages and cultures, even between like Johannesburg and and, uh, and Cape Town and like, you know, the other markets I mentioned. And then you know, that gives us like the foundation um, to, to localize. And then the other part of, of our model is to then really work through partners, um, like Unilever, like Transform, um, ensure that we're not pushing anything down to our, our customers.
0: Let's just focus further on the Transform initiative. How did it support Boost in terms of the resources, funding, what happened? The support that we get from Transform
2: includes both monetary support. So we do receive a grant from them as well as broader support for the project, as well as for the business. So the support we get for the project uh, also includes access to impact measurement specialists who are helping us to uh, better understand the impact of our work. And then from a business perspective and business support, we've received introductions, including to some of the partners that we're working with as part of the Transform project, as well as global support and connections with the overall Unilever group.
0: It's not easy for social entrepreneurs to survive. It can be quite difficult. So why is it so important for things like the Transform initiative to exist?
1: Starting any business is hard, anywhere. Starting a purpose-driven business in the informal sector, across like Africa and other emerging markets, compounds that, that risk and, and adds a lot of additional complexity, especially trying to do it remotely. So I, I think Mary and I could not have even thought of doing what we're doing now if we didn't have like that previous 10 years of experience and, and a lot of time on the ground, understanding these markets and these challenges and working with partners. But ultimately, you, you, you cannot start anything by yourself. You need funding, support from organizations like Transform, um, access to, to new networks, for additional partnerships, for you know, feedback on your product and service, access to talent. We've had like, an incredible experience with Transform already. They've opened up a channel into two different markets for us, as Mary mentioned, into Kenya and into Senegal, and also like, opened the door into what could be a much larger relationship with Boost and Unilever in the future. So we're, we're very excited to work with them and uh, they, they've dramatically, I think, uh, increased our chances of, of success in the future.
0: Fantastic. I'm going to pick up on that, actually. In regards to the future, what does it look like for Mary, Mike, Boost? What plans have you got?
1: So our current priority is, is to just go deeper in our, in our current six markets. We're really just getting started in all of them. We're, we're quite early in, in the journey and we want to go uh, much deeper with our existing partners like Unilever Transform, the distributors we're serving to like, fully digitize their business and their, their value chain, onboard a lot more distributors and then onboard all of the universe of retailers underneath them. Um, so with, with that, we believe we can get 10 times bigger than we currently are within the next 12 months and then have a, access to like a much larger network that we can start layering on additional services that can really improve the lives and businesses of the, the ultimate retailer customers at the bottom of the, the chain. That's the current focus. Uh, in addition to that, we put a lot of effort into to building a scalable model. We want to build this like a playbook in each of these markets and, and with, with each partnership that can be replicated across different markets and into to new regions and segments.
0: Wonderful. And finally, can I just ask you, what's one piece of advice that you would give to entrepreneurs, to business people, to anyone who's really looking to make a change in their own community?
1: Just start. Start. That's the hardest part, and, and many uh, many people don't get over that hump. But once you've started, like enjoy the journey and don't be afraid to fail.
2: The first one I would say is start small. The second I would say is celebrate every achievement, because there will be lots of ups and downs. Those celebrations provide a lot of energy in those, those downfalls. And then the third I would say is don't run out of
1: cash. Definitely don't run out of cash. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much to Mary and Mike for such an inspiring and in-depth conversation. It's been fantastic to learn so much about the work that Boost is doing and the incredible difference you're making in people's lives. I wish you all the luck with your future plans. Thank you to everyone listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate and subscribe to it wherever you find your podcasts. If your business is interested in being part of the Transform Initiative and supporting impact enterprises, or if you're striving for change and would like to work with experts to develop your business, visit our website www.transform.global. I'm Druthi Shah, thank you for joining us today. And remember that together we can tackle global challenges and transform lives through enterprises that drive impact.